Have you ever wondered what happened to the legendary Chuck Norris? I recently saw a health video he made and I was surprised. He's in his 80s and still seems to have his energy and health. He says he's even stronger, has more stamina, and plenty of energy left over for his grandkids since making one simple health change that helps his digestion and nutrition. He says he still feels like he's in his 50s. His wife made the same change and she's never felt better. She says she feels 10 years younger and she has energy all day. Many of us do not include the fruits, vegetables, and other herbs that increase health and energy in our own diets. Chuck Norris made a special video that explains how he incorporated these things with one simple product. You can watch it by going to mymorningkick.com forward slash Harris. It may change your approach to your own health. Once again, that's mymorningkick.com forward slash Harris. We are live now on the Conversations That Matter podcast. Hope everyone's doing well on this beautiful Monday morning. At least it is where I am. Andrew, is it uh, beautiful where you are? Absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Your, your mug says Minnesota. Or yes, looks like Minnesota. that's right. Yeah, that's right. That uh, says you betcha. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, it's beautiful here. It's one of the you know handful of beautiful days we have here. It's about to be frigid cold in like a month. So, <laughs> so yeah. I'm, oh, are I'm you in, are you in like northern Minnesota or no? I'm in southern Minnesota. It's it's extreme northern Iowa, really, um, and cornfields everywhere. But it it is it gets cold quick, and so we're we're yeah. we're enjoying it. You know, I'll, I'll maybe go golfing later today. Uh, <laughs> when I, when I'm in the Midwest, it's it, like the weather can change so quick so drastically that's what i've noticed yeah. like you can have like a yeah. warm day and the next day you're it's snowing and so yeah that's anyway for real yeah <laughs> so i should probably mention for those who are i have a shirt on it says it's all you can see is vegetarian <laughs> so i should probably just clarify <laughs> to everyone it says it's, it's actually an anti-vegetarian shirt yeah, but they're vegetarian <laughs> they're vegetarian so uh you don't have to be so anyway, um, we have Andrew Iskar on the podcast today to talk about his latest book, uh, The Boniface Option. And of course, you were, I think you, the first book you published was the book with Torba or Andrew Torba on yes. Christian nationalism, right? That's correct. So yep. This is your second book? This is my second, my first one. That's just me. Uh, so, you know, okay. kind of kind of my second, kind of my first, you know, yeah. So you are a yep. Christian nationalist. You are the the person that everyone's mad at that they want to. You know. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I guess okay. I am. Uh, yeah, yeah. Here I am. You started come, this whole thing because that was yeah that was before Stephen's book that you published that book. Yeah, I mean Stephen. I think I mean he had his in development for a very long time because it's a huge book. Um, ours we we worked on quickly because we knew. I mean it was the 2022 election year and that topic was becoming a big one i mean they were they were attacking all sorts of uh, different candidates like where, where torba lives in pennsylvania doug mastriano was uh running for governor and they say he's a christian nationalist because he would have like a flag lapel pin and and he would he would you know say you know very basic christian statements why well, I, I believe in jesus and i believe america was a christian nation and that's good and they're like ah oh, he's horrible this is a theocrat trying to take over the country and, and, and so you, and you had all of these, you know, this whole cast of characters like uh, uh, Samuel Perry and Andrew Whitehead and, and all of these clowns, uh, academics who, um, who were, were attacking, writing these, all these books, attacking it. And, uh, and so we saw this going on and we said, well, I, I believe this stuff. I believe that America was a Christian nation, was founded by Christians. And that was good. And it's good if we go back to that. 
And so we need to we need to write in defense of it, stand up for for what we believe in. And and so we we put the book together. We wrote it, you know, uh, very quickly. You know, that was uh, it was the first book we'd ever done. Um, and of course, we were attacked because, you know, we didn't understand all the nuances of typesetting and all, all of those things. <laughs> and, uh, um, and and so but we got it out and and and, you know, really just um, tried to, to reinforce very uh, basic Christian understanding of 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 politics, of, of what it means to be a Christian and engage in politics and have, um, you know, have uh, laws influenced by, by the Bible and by, you know, Christian uh, teaching. And, you know, it's, it's, it, it was funny because it's, it's not like you read it and the book itself was not very, it's like Stephen's book. It's not actually all that controversial. Stephen's book was just an, a 400 page exposition of, of Protestant political theory that has existed for hundreds of years and and ours was really defensive christian america and it, not controversial in any in any real sense but people still attacked it and hated it and, and went crazy um yeah. and so you know and, and it did it did well and it and i think it did well because we captured that particular moment when um the battle lines were kind of being set and and you still see that you know now a year later uh, people still don't exactly know what to make of it. They think, I mean, you have some people like, oh, this is just a, a flash in the pan. This is like the emergent church and it's going to go away. And I'm like, well, Christian America has existed for, you know, 400 years. It's not going away. Um, I mean, there's, it's much smaller and, and, and it's a, almost a remnant now, uh, but it's not going to just die out this idea, this thinking. Um, and, and so, yeah, some of the stuff we want to do, because you you would have, you have the kind of like the Michael Flynn version of, of Christian nationalism where you, know, or the Mike Lindell one where you have these guys that, that aren't, you know, they aren't very theologically adept. Like they don't know uh, very serious Christian doctrine. It's, it's kind of a, a mishmash of, of boomer evangelicalism, charismatic kind of stuff. And, and, and then, and then, then there is this really weird thing. Like you have Flynn uh, like a month or two ago saying, we need to put down the Bible and pick up the constitution or something like that. And it's like, what? Uh, I don't uh, know, man. That's not, that's not what we need to do. Um, so you have that side of it where they, it's, it's not very sophisticated. It's, it's just, we like Jesus and we like America and it isn't that uh, well thought out, but then you have other guys like us or, or and certainly like Steven and, and many others who are, are thinking through the, the more deeper, uh, you know, intellectual, um, aspects of, of what these things really mean. And, and so that, that has a lot more staying power, I think, than just kind of this flash in the pan thing that they think it is. So yeah, that's, that's, that's what we are. You know, we, we're unabashed and, 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 and it's like, I, I don't really want a label. I don't really want to have this label of Christian nationalist because it's not a label I have always carried. Um, but in the back of my head, it's, it's what I believed for, for my entire life as a, as a Christian. And, and so, and, and that's one of the things too, it's like, why do you take a name that your enemies made? And I'm like, well, that's, that's pretty common throughout um, Christian history. Like even like Protestant is a name that, that like Martin Luther and John Calvin didn't come up with the name Protestant. Uh, that's a name their enemies gave them. Same thing with like Puritans, right? That's, that, that was a, a slur that was used against them. So I don't have any problem with saying, yeah, okay. Yeah, we are Christian nationalists. Sure. Great. Cool. Um, so yeah, that it's, and, and so, you know, we're kind of in the crosshairs uh, with it a little bit, but um, I, I 
my my main goal and Torba's main goal was just to defend decent, regular Christian people that that don't want to see their nation burned up and and want it to be a faithful Christian place again. Yeah. And you are a pastor, just so people understand where this is all coming from uh, as we dive into your new book. Uh, so you're you're writing for, I would assume, people in your con- or people like people in your congregation. So Christians who um, are well-meaning and uh, want the basics uh, of what you just described, a, a Christian mm-hmm. understanding, honoring Christian values, that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. uh, but maybe they don't know exactly in the confusion of the media circus uh, where to turn, how to think through it. And so you're, you're providing some resources for them as a pastor. Is yeah. that correct? Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, there really was nothing. All you have is the media constantly saying this is wrong and bad and evil and you're probably racist and you're probably really bad people. And, and what I, what we wanted was, cause you, we would go on Amazon, you, you type in Christian nationalism on Amazon before August of, of uh, 2022. And it would just be all these books and, and, and things that would say how bad these people are and how they're evil and how they, they hate democracy and, and they're subverting our democracy and, and so forth. And it's like, well, I want people to, you know, who are normal and regular, decent Christian folks to not be beat over the head constantly and, and, and be able to stand up for themselves and say, no, I, I, I believe this and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, right. And so it's a really defense of our people uh, to be able to say, no, there's nothing wrong with you at all. Uh, this is, this is normal. This is, de- this is stuff that everybody, I mean, even like a hundred years ago, I mean, you, you, you have these like proclamations that FDR of all people would make that say, well, you know, during uh, world war two that America is a Christian nation. We should pray for the military as they're out for at war. And, and, and like this long thing. And it's like, that was FDR saying that, I mean, the guy's like, yeah. you know, all but a communist. And, and so, and so now, uh, now, you know, um, every, what was normal and, 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 um, and, and just universal across the board in America is being treated as this, um, very fringe, very radical, crazy, uh, out there thing. And it, and it's not, I want people to, you know, my, um, you know, one of my influences, um, one of one of the guys that uh, that re- that influenced me a lot, man that I, I studied under, uh, uh, Pastor Doug Wilson. Uh, one of the things he he constantly says is assuming the center, right? Just assuming the center, and, and really what that means is, no, we're we're the normal ones. We're not crazy. All of all of you are. You're the you're the radicals. You're the you're the the insane people. We're we are the normal ones. And, and teaching people and giving people resources to be able to assume the center like that and to say, no, this is normal. This is fine. Um, you, you guys are the crazy one. So let me ask you this, uh, but I know we haven't even gotten into your new book yet, which I, obviously that's the title of this podcast and that's why, what I want to do, but I can't really help myself. Um, (laughs) I'm supposed to, I'm, I'm going, we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm planning on calling uh, G3 ministries later today and seeing if I can uh, have a conversation with Josh Bice. We'll see how that goes um, about uh, really, really there's two things I think um, that I want to try to see if I can just navigate uh, with him. And that one is, um, is there any way we might be, it might be too late of an hour, but is there any way that we can figure out like a, um, a, a, have a listening session or just, just like actually talk to each other, uh, 
And mm. uh, in other words, people who criticize Christian nationalists who are Christians and then people who take the label Christian nationalists. Um, so that's one of the things. And then the other thing is to try to figure out why he thinks that I've spread lies and slander about him or, or whatever. And I, I, I don't see it. I don't know what he's referring to exactly. Um, so, so I, I want to address those things with him. And, and I've, I've told people in the last two weeks that I'm going to give a little bit more of the inside baseball that people, cause, cause people are really curious. Why is there this, uh, disagreement between, uh, people that we respect and we thought they were on the mm-hmm. same team. They were both, uh, we thought against social justice. And then you have, mm-hmm. there, there's a, there's a whole bunch of evangelicals. Josh is just one of them, but there's a whole bunch of yes. them that are freaking out. Um, in my opinion, or at least the, their rhetoric looks like they're freaking out in the same way the media does, using the same thing, mm-hmm. saying that mm-hmm. um, this is uh, going to eliminate civil uh, liberties. Um, and I mean, even mocking, you know, where's, where's the, do you want a Protestant pope even suggesting that kind of thing? <laughs> um, I mean, there's been so many things said, you know, trying to make Michael Flynn or uh, King George, or not, not King George, sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm, bl- I'm blinking on the name of the King of England. Uh, help me out here. Um, oh, Charles. Charles, yeah. thank you. Thank yeah, you. yeah, yeah. I'm still in revolutionary <laughs> war mindset. That's King, right. You know, making King Charles uh, the uh, face of Christian nationalism. Like, there's been these things that are. There, most of them, I think, we see and we. You're laughing. We laugh. We, we yeah. you know, that's silly. Yeah. That's not. But they, but they, um, but they really, they, they're serious and sincere when they say they're serious. Yeah, and and they, and they <laughs> yeah. do see racism under the hood. They do see all these things. The media also sees, and I don't mm-hmm. see it. I, I don't. Mm-hmm. I've read your book. I've read Stephen's book. Um, in fact, one of the local uh, pastors who happens to be a conservative uh, Episcopalian, if you can believe it, um, well, very well versed on uh, at least like church tradition. He read mm-hmm. Stephen's book and he said, I don't understand why this is controversial. This is pretty much yeah. just like what Christians have said for hundreds of years. But now it is. So I, I would just cu- curious if you could like address that. Just say, like, why do you think we know what the media is up to? The media has always been up to the same thing. Why do you think, though, that there's prominent christian ministries taking such shots gospel coalition g3 ministries um i don't know it goes the list goes on uh they're they're trying to discredit it in the same ways in, in many instances the media does um wh- wh- why why is there that you know you think there that lack of communication that lack of trying to understand and that just kind of like that la- lashing out that's what it seems like yeah uh, to me and and then do you think there's any merit to uh, charges of like, well, Christian nationalists are going to get rid of free speech. They're going to um, erode civil liberties. They're going to restrict immigration mm-hmm. to the point that, or you know, or or now, I guess Owen Strand is, is suggesting that there's kinism is lurking in the background here. So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, I know, I know it's supposed to be about your new book, but I'd really no, that's what is, is I on mean, people's they minds. Play, so they play into each other, and I, I talk about some of this stuff in in the new book too. Um, so it's okay, uh, <laughs> but um. I, what I think is, um, you know, what drives a lot of this is that we, you know, since 2015, well, uh, even backing up there, like in, in America, since the Second World War, there has been, you know, sort of a, a political and cultural consensus, um, and in particular after, you know, the civil rights revolution in the, in the 1950s and 60s. Um, there's been a, a cultural consensus of this is this is what everybody thinks and anything outside of this, you know, you know, to quote like Tom Woods, the three by five card of allowable opinion. Anything outside of that is dangerous and bad and very scary. So you can't go there. 
And so all, all of the things that, that everybody believes from, you know, 1945 onward um, is, you know, both, you know, liberals and conservatives, they all believe that uh, democ- you know, liberal democracy, egalitarian liberal democracy is, is uh, sacrosanct, right? That it's inviolable, that we can't have any criticisms of it. We can't say that here's some, some problems with this system. Um, and, and so all, all of the aspects of it, right. Um, that, that I think is, is part of it where, I mean, if you, if you think like I do, like, I don't know if you've, um, maybe, maybe you have on your show talked about, uh, uh, Christopher Caldwell's book, age of entitlement, where it really gets into just how radical a departure from the constitutional Republican norms that we had, um, that, that really it was a new constitution that was created at, in the 1960s over civil rights, where, you don't get um, you don't get gay marriage. You don't get trans stuff. All the insanity that we have today, without that being codified into law um, in the 1960s, because it's all based around civil rights law that that these things are happening. Um, and so, um, and he, so he backs up and says, "Well, this you, you, this is the new constitution that supersedes the existing one." And, and and so I think a lot of it is that where now after 2015 and 2016, after Trump comes onto the scene. And it, it shook things up so much that people began to to seriously reevaluate the entire project of of, of what we have had uh, this this globalist system, and um, and asked some very uncomfortable questions, at least uncomfortable for people in the mainstream. Of well, what if what if we don't have infinity immigration anymore? What if we, you know, what if we have a nation that actually pursues the interests of its people? And what's good for them, and not what's good for you know ginormous corporations. Uh, what 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 would that look like? Um, and so you you like genuine uh, right wing thought has made its way into the scene, like the type of thinking that you would only find with guys in, in the among the paleoconservatives in the nineties, like uh, Pat Buchanan and, and Sam Francis and Paul Gottfried. Um, that has that has now entered. It's not in the mainstream yet. But it's it's much further away from the fringe, much closer to the mainstream than anybody's comfortable with, and uh, and so I think they're very threatened by that. Um, and, and some of it plays into also, and I bring this up in, in the new book. Um, I think Aaron Wren's uh, three world paradigm is is so crucial, so important to understand um, not just things going on in evangelicalism, but really things going on in the culture in, in general. And so, any listeners that that aren't from familiar with that i can explain it um it is you know you have positive world neutral world and negative world and positive world was the time period where in, in american society where people viewed christians positively like if you were if you're going to apply for a job and they knew okay you go to you go to church every sunday you're a faithful christian that's a good guy i like that guy i, I want to hire him to work like i'm going to trust I'll, I'll i have a positive view of him like i'll i'll have I'll be willing to grant him a lot more trust uh, than I would for, for, for other people, things like that, where, where just the view of, of Christianity was, was very yeah. genuine, generally very, very positive. Uh, and that lasted a, until like the nineties, you know, well, just one illustration um, of that. Someone showed me a document the other day that I thought was blew me away in New York city. And it was from like the 1930s or something. Um, it was required. Uh, I guess certain people required it, it that you had to get a pass, a recommendation from your pastor. Your pastor had to literally sign 
um, on a lease. If you were going to rent an apartment or something, you needed yeah, yeah. a relig like someone yeah. vouching for you who had yeah, a, yeah. Uh, a man of the cloth, as they say. So that that was New York City. Yeah, like that's insane yeah. to think about. Yeah, that. I know, I know. Not that and, long and ago. It's, no, like less than a hundred years ago. And and so that really kind of withered away in the 1990s. Um, and, and so by the 1990s, you, you know, in, in, within Ren's paradigm, you entered something called neutral world where um, the positive view of Christians wasn't, wasn't there. It was more, it was an intellectual curiosity. It was like, Oh, you're, you're a Christian. That's, that's cool. Um, I like to collect stamps, you know, like that's, that's, you know, it, it's treated like you're, you're a member of the lion's club or the rotary. Like it's, 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 it's not neither good nor bad, right? It's just a thing that you do. Um, and so that really lasted from the, the not early to mid nineties until about 2015, I think is really the, you know, Obergefell is really the clear jumping off point. And, and that's where, you know, guys like Tim Keller and, and a lot of, um, you know, the modern evangelicalism really made their hay. I mean, or even uh, Rick Warren, all the mega church, church growth stuff uh, made its hay during neutral world where uh, the culture isn't actively necessarily actively hostile, although in a few places in larger cities, maybe it was, um, it was, it was more or less ambivalent. And, and that's the, within that kind of cultural paradigm, that's how they understood everything. And that's, that's where like winsomeness and all, all of that kind of stuff uh, came in. Cause it's like, well, they don't, uh, they don't view us negatively. Uh, so if we show how winsome and, and good and respectable and decent and kind people we are, that's what's going to be the thing that wins them to us. Right. And, and so and, and, and to be you know, fair to uh, those people um, that that largely worked. I mean, there's a reason why Tim Keller had massive success in Manhattan, because that was appealing to uh, that that segment of of the population. Um, and now after Obergefell, we are in negative world where the culture actively takes a dislike to Christians and, and views them negatively. Like if you are an evangelical Christian, you're some kind of weird religious freak, right? The, I mean, you see this on a, like a television show, like the office, they had the evangelical Christian character, Angela, and she's, she's this nasty vindictive woman and nobody likes her. And she's really, you know, really petty. And, and she's the evangelical Christian in, in the, in the show. Right. Um, that's kind of how they look at us, or it, it, or at least early in negative world. Now it's like, you are, you are the devil. You're evil. Uh, you, you are a hater. You're a bigot. Uh, you are the scum of the earth now, if you're a Christian. And, and, and so a lot of um, evangelicalism, uh, big evangelicalism is not adapted to that at all. They're still in the neutral world paradigm. And even, even the guys who are, are a little bit more to the right than the Kellers and, and, and so forth, um, you know, your G3 type of guys, like they, they still are living in neutral world. Right. They, they still yeah. really think that the the globalist liberal project is it works and it's it's, you know, if not morally neutral, it's a positive moral good. Uh, democracy is great and, and pluralism is great and we can we can live in that world. I mean, some of it is, is theological, too. I mean, if you if you have, you know, this um, I mean, it, it sort of fits in with with a, a Baptist uh, view of politics where you want to have pluralism because um, creeping around the corner are these, these guys who are going to drown Baptists if we let them get power. Um, and so they're, they're, that's like baked into the cake for them. Um, 
but uh, some of it too is just uh, cultural that they they are terrified of of something that overturns the apple cart that is outside the the, the realm of allowable opinion outside the Overton window, and um, it's very scary to them. Uh, so I think so in terms of right, why are they you know like you say freaking out? And I think they are too. The rhetoric is is just so over the top. like oh and strain especially like just totally over the top. Um, why, why are they doing that? It's, I think it's, it's, it's two things. It's one, um, the guys like me or Stephen Wolf and others are gaining an audience like people, you too, uh, people are listening to what we have to say and, and, and it, it's, it's like that, um, conservative Episcopalian pastor, you know, they read the stuff that, that Stephen writes or I write and they're like, I don't get what the fuss is about. This is pretty reasonable, right? These, these arguments are sound. They make sense. These are not wackos. They're, they, they're, they're saying things that um, I, I agree with. And, and that, that I think is what terrifies them because our arguments are good and sound and they comport with reality. They comport with the, the actual situation as it exists today. Um, because like people see like the, the, the whole, globalist system is, is fracturing. Um, and, you know, regardless of whatever happens with Trump uh, and whatever, I mean, 2024 is going to be, it's going to make 2020 look like nothing. It's going to make it look like a, a, the halcyon days of, of lore. You know, like, I think it's going to be the most insane year we, we've lived through. So that's, that's my prediction right now. I mean, I think my predictions are probably better than James Lindsay's who thought we were going to have a trans George Floyd this summer or uh, yeah. and now, you know, now he, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it's like, uh, he's just always wrong. He's kind of like the bill crystal of, uh, of, well, of, he, uh, predictions online, you know, <laughs> he does fit into what you're talking about even with, with these evangelicals and these media types who are freaking out. Like there's this level 10 threat and it's not really a level yeah. 10 threat. It's not what they think it yeah. is necessarily. So they overblow it, overplay it. Um, and you know, uh, put themselves in the position of, of, uh, opposing it, which, uh, I, I suppose should gain them some credibility or some, uh, you know, accolades or something. Um, yeah. Well, I think some long... of that too, though. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I, I think some of that too, though, um, is they like wokeness is petering out. Like uh, people, like you could see it with the Target stuff and the Bud Light stuff and everything like that. That um, they're having to dial it back because of the reaction from the populace to to these things. Right. And so that that threat is kind. I mean, even with the presidential campaign, like like that's DeSantis's big big issue where he um, really. Uh, made his name for himself and that's kind of over and so you see him on the debate stage and he's got really nothing else to to really distinguish himself from all the other also rans running for president and and so i think that stuff's petering out so what do they do they have to find some other threat they have to find okay now it's the far right that is the scary one and in in, in a lot of ways um in one sense they're right uh because there hasn't been like genuine uh, rightism in America uh, since before the first world war, or second world war. Um, they're, they're like the, the, the old conservative, the old right was the last instance of it. Um, and, and it, after world war two, uh, the neocons basically won, right? They basically took over conservative conservatism, their view of foreign policy, their view of really everything. And and just pushed down the old right, like National Review purged all the paleocons in, in the 90s, the guys that I mentioned. 
And now it's come back right now. Like, I mean, the podcast that I do with uh, CJ Engel um, are, I think, still our most watched episode. And it's still a very small podcast. Our most watched episode, even more than when we had you on. It was a very popular episode. Uh, was with Paul Gottfried, uh, Paul, this yeah. 80 year old guy, right? It, and everyone's like, oh, I can't wait to hear what he has to say. And, and so he's having kind of a, a renaissance, you know, uh, in, in, in his old age. Everybody wants to have Paul Gottfried on uh, because it is really, it's coming back uh, because yeah. it, it, people see that stuff is falling apart completely, that there are no answers, that you're not going to get an answer from typical standard conservatism about the real, the real problems that we face. And, and, and people want to want the truth. And, yeah. and, and so it's growing. It's, it's getting a lot bigger. And so they see this threat. They see this threat to their ministries uh, because, you know, people are starting to wake up to what is actually occurring, what is actually going on, the world that we live in. We'll, we could get into this with, with my book um, because that's really what I focus on is just how insane our world is currently today. It, it's, it's just a total fiction. I mean, I try not to you know, overuse the Matrix analogy. But it, it's like that. I mean, it's 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 a fantasy world that people live in that's manufactured, and yeah. people have to break out of that. So anyway, I, yeah, I cut you yeah. off, and I went on a long tangent. <laughs> but, no, 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 it's all good. Anyway. It's it's great. We, we've been going almost half an hour. It's funny we haven't even gotten to your new book, really. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, which I want to do. I want to pivot and and start talking about that. But uh, yeah, the only thing I was going to say is like if you take the long view of this, um, it seems like there's the left is they're egalitarians and so they want yeah. to flatten everything make everything equal uh they, they, they idolize that um yeah their whole diversity push is part of that to try to mm -hmm. de-platform de-center who they view as uh those you know white people who have too much power white men specifically and mm -hmm. if you if you take the long view though this egalitarian impulse has been around for you know hundreds of years it's um, the idea that, uh, yeah. you know, the real problem between us is that we have these different religions governing different regions. And so we have religious wars. So if we just have a, a kind of a more pluralistic or, uh, you know, to put the best, um, in, in the best case scenario in the United States, or to, which I think did it probably the best was a religious liberty of kinds where states can determine, um, the boundaries of what religion, what, what religious activity is acceptable. But, uh, on the national level, there's no uh, test for office, yeah. except I guess you, you do have to place your hand. I mean, it doesn't say on a Bible, but that that would have been the understanding. The common law tradition was you mm -hmm. did have to put your hand on a Bible and say so. So, so it was still designed for Christians, but it was kind of a broadly yeah. Christian uh, setting. And and of course, over time, that's been eroded to the point that now it's just blatant uh, religious anarchy. You're not allowed yeah. to even prefer in the, in like town hall, you can't open with prayer hardly without getting a lawsuit yeah. now from the ACLU or something. Um, mm -hmm. But then, you know, after world war two, I think it, there was this understanding that developed that, well, it's, it's, it's not just religion, right? Religion was a problem. We, we had these disagreements and fought, but now it's the fact that we are different uh, ethnically or, or racially. And those racial mm -hmm. differences, uh, if, if those are channeled into some kind of a, nationalist fervor or that you, you care too much about your people in place in a given area then that'll create a war and so to delude that and to make sure that that threat never comes back we need mass immigration we need i think that's probably part of and i'm not against just so people know because because i get these weird accusations of kinism come in but like 
I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm certainly not against interracial marriages, but, um, but I do think there is this weird push on the left that that's, and then that explains it, why they want it so mm -hmm. bad to, to, uh, you look at a McDonald's commercial I saw the other day and like every family, you had like a black, uh, wife with a white husband with like a, yeah, yeah. a, a Asian kid. And it's like, you know, how, I don't even know, like, where are they getting this from? Like, maybe there's like one yeah. family in, in my state that like might sort yeah. of approximate that through adoption <laughs> or something, but yeah, yeah, it's just, um, but that's their ideal, right? That's what they want to mm -hmm. strive for. And I think it's because since world war two, it's like that, that won't produce conflict. We won't, uh, we won't fight each other over these differences. If we are all like kind of in this melting pot, uh, this, this, uh, blender. And, um, mm -hmm. and so anyway, like you're saying that paleoconservatism, the old, right. I was actually just reading an article from, uh, uh, uh national review from the fifties. Uh, that mm. was, I think it was Russell Kirk, but he was critiquing classical liberalism pretty hard. Yeah. And, yeah. And so they, 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 some of those conservatives, they could see, and I think that is conservatism, like the, mm -hmm. uh, even though it's not really an ism, the, the posture, the tradition, et cetera, has been to resist innovations and to try yeah. to maintain stability and social trust and identity mm -hmm. and realizing things that threaten those uh, all, always produce negative consequences. So they stood opposed to the Nazis. They stood opposed to the communists. They stood opposed mm -hmm. also, though, to the classical liberals. And, um, mm. and so, but, but uh, the classical liberals won the day and that's what you're saying with the, with the, uh, uh, I guess, you know, neocon conservatives. And then yeah. you fast forward to where we are now. It's just that, um, that that's all taken for granted. Like, and there's mm -hmm. like a rewriting of history that like America has always been this classical yeah. liberal place. And, and what I see in the Christian nationals, and this is my opinion is that it's a, I think it's exactly what you're saying. It's a comeback of the paleoconservatism. And it's also, there, there may be in, in certain instances, some like theonomy and, 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 and other stuff like mixed in there. But I think primarily, especially if you look at Stephen's book, this is a paleoconservatism that specifically arose from a Protestant political tradition. Yeah. And it's been forgotten. And the people who claim to carry those doctrines in the realm of theology and they're good on soteriology and they're good on, on these mm -hmm. other theological issues. They don't, they're not good on this. They're not good on public yeah. theology and they don't uh, go back. And I mean, they might mine for quotes in the 1689 or something. They, they try to find something that they can use to justify uh, some kind of a neutrality, but that's not, but, but they have to mine. They're, they're not reading it correctly. Right. And, and so they're, they're committed to this like post-World War II consensus and um, mm -hmm. so anyway, I know I'm not going on my own rant that I've gone on for yeah. a while, uh, talk, but, but yeah, um, you're right. You're right. I mean, all of it. Yeah. I mean, we, it, it's interesting that you like what you said. Um, the tell really is the commitment to the, the post-war consensus on, on politics and culture, the post-war globalist liberal democracy consensus. Um, because like, like uh, we had Nate Fisher on our, on Contramundum uh, last week and he's, he brought up a really good point. Uh, that you have all of these guys, uh, whether it's um, G3 or the late Tim Keller or, um, you know, you have the Escondido people like. Uh, <laughs> we're scary. Yes, we are. Very scary. Yeah. No, absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to face 700 years in prison. Um, <laughs> but uh, 
Um, no, I, I it, you you have all of these guys from very disparate traditions that are in conflict with each other. I mean, even you even have like like uh, Brian, uh, yeah, Brian Matson and uh, and Andrew Sandlin, who are um, I, I guess you know theonomists or or Bonsonites, you know, um, that all of them um, are in agreement on Christian nationalism is bad. And we can't have a Christian nation. We they're all in agreement that the post-war consensus is good and that's that it, it's inviolable. We cannot move away from it. And they'll all cobble together rationales from their disparate traditions to arrive at the same conclusion. So you'll have you know you'll have R. Scott Clark and Andrew Sandlin that are like doing the predator handshake, like, yeah, let's go uh to fight Christian nationalism or to fight and or, or even if we don't use that phrase, to fight the way Christians believed about politics a hundred years ago, all Christians everywhere, basically. Um, and it's, it's, it's crazy to me, but it, it makes sense because that's the fundamental commitment, right? That that's overarching over, over all their traditions and, and, and all the major, major, very significant differences that they have in their political uh, theology always comes back to, we can't move away from this what we've had for the last 50 years last question before your book so this is the this will be the determining factor as to whether you're scary or not uh do you think there should be any blasphemy laws of any kind absolutely i mean we are it's not weather scary yeah very (laughs) scary right now i mean right now we have guys who are going to prison because they they uh burn rubber on a rainbow flag right Mm -hmm. Uh, like like we have blasphemy laws in america you're always going to have them and, um, I mean, I saw in, uh, was it, was it France or, or Great Britain that they're, they're bringing back blasphemy laws against the prophet Muhammad and Allah, uh, you can't blaspheme, you know, him, right. And so the, you're always going to have these and, and it, there, there's certain things that, that a polity cannot allow, right. You cannot, I mean, and, and it doesn't mean that you're not allowed to, um, have a, a genuine sincere opinion on religion where you you don't believe in god right i mean you could be an atheist without blaspheming jesus right um yep. you you can't you, know, you i mean there's a distinction between unbe- you know, sincere unbelief and uh pro- provocative statements where you are attacking christ you're attacking the church you, you're putting you're doing like the what is it the where they put the crucifix in a jar of urine you know things like that um that no like any i mean you look back to throughout all of christian history i mean even even if you had a baptist state right that was that was run by john bunyan right would they allow piss christ you know sorry for this is a family show but that's the title of the piece uh would they would they allow that in their in their in their country of course they wouldn't well we we had blasphemy laws on the books at the founding of the country and they just over time and and they were they were regional and state they weren't on the national level as far as i know but uh over time those have been eroded we also had anti-pornography laws up until even you know as late as the 70s and 80s you could be arrested and go to jail if you had a picture of a naked woman in certain southern states so yeah. Uh, so, yeah. so this stuff is, is all been familiar. It's not, you know, anti the people who think that's against the Constitution or something because it's against some notion of free speech are yeah. uh, they're misreading. I think that they're imposing upon it's, the Constitution a, a newer understanding. Yes, so. it's 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 post you know, civil rights revolution understanding of the Constitution. Like that's what I mean, yeah. you look at like the James Lindsay's and, and those people who are like, oh, the Constitution, the Constitution. It's like. Uh, originally, man, the Constitution 
um, only let uh, you know white men vote. Uh, so what? Yeah. Which constitution are you talking about? Like you talk, we got to respect the founders and everything. It's like, well, the constitution they wrote is not one that you agree with. So like, you know, which constitution? And and obviously they mean the constitution after 1960 or after 1945, right? That's what they mean. Um, yeah. And so like, yeah, you go back. I mean, there are obvious, clear historical antecedents in American history where, yeah, they had blasphemy laws, they had anti-pornography laws, and and that was that was. Uh, uh, I mean, that's that's one of the things where it's like, was America a Christian nation? Well, I mean, that's an indicator, right? Uh, that we were, and and so, yeah, like I mean, yeah, that, that's scary. That, I mean, but I mean, we're so far away from even like conceptualizing something like that. Um, that's where, where I'm like, I'm hesitant to answer the question uh, for that reason because it's like, look, like we <laughs> we got like ten other get, things we have to do. Yeah, first. I mean, a million yeah. other things before we get there. Like, I would just like to not have these globalist wars that that kill a million people and and expend a trillion dollars. Like, I would like to you know like maybe take care of that first. I'd like to stop murdering you know a million babies a year, things things like that, and then we could we can get to that that point. Um, so we're, we're so far afield when we get to that, but, but I think it, it's good to, to raise that question because it, it breaks the conceptual framework that people have that this, this post-war consensus is, is sacrosanct and we can't, we can't shake that up because when people talk about the constitution, when you have like the, you know, the boomer cons, you know, the TPUSA types talk about, Oh, the cost actually, you know, Charlie Kirk's been a lot better lately, but, uh, he's improving. I've noticed that. Yeah. 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 It's really, it's, it's something, um, but when they when when they talk about oh the Constitution the Constitution, we love the Constitution, um, they're talking about the 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 nineteen sixties Constitution. They're not talking about the Constitution before FDR for sure. Um, so that's I mean that's that stuff that you have to break into and, well, and just force people outside the three by five card uh, and thinking yeah. about things. You know, Cer certainly not pre Lincoln. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. It seems because it's not. Yeah, it seems like it's like the Lincolnite. You, you could call it the Lincolnite Revolution. I coined that. So if anyone uses that, they have yeah. to pay me now. But uh, right. you, you could right, you could call that it mind. that. You you could say that, yeah. and then the you know sort of like a there, there was like a reprieve sort of, and then when the progressive era uh, came in, yeah. and and then we had the um uh, the civil rights constitutional understanding. Mm -hmm you have kind of like two, they, they fit very well together. And so um, yeah. I, I, the paleocons want to go pre-Lincoln really with their understanding. Yeah. They want more of a, an original um, understanding of it, but let, let's get into your book because um, yeah, yeah, we're 41 minutes is, in this, and let's go. <laughs> we're, we, we've been talking the entire podcast hasn't been about your book, but it's been interesting. That's Hopefully okay. people have enjoyed this. Uh, so the Boniface option, uh, tell me about the book. Yeah. Who is St. Boniface? Uh, what are you, what, what's the novel idea or the, uh, I, yeah. I guess the strategy that you're recommending. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll correct it, the at least the pronunciation I use and most Boniface. Uh, okay, so, well there you go. Uh, yeah, yeah, there we go. <laughs> so right off the bat, uh, the Boniface option. Um, it is so. I mean, I wrote the book. Is it Augustine or Augustine? Oh, that's see that that one is like <laughs> we're gonna have to arm wrestle over that one. Um, okay. but uh, I, I think uh, well, it depends. Like like the town in Florida is is Saint Augustine. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I I mean I I'm sure you probably hear me on podcasts. I'll say Augustine one time and Augustine another. So you know don't don't listen to me. Uh, but anyway, yeah. As far as the book goes, um, you know I, I wrote the book. Uh, I I wrote an article, I think 2017 after Roger Ear's book came out about um you know the benedict option i, I thought it was a pretty good book but it it, it, it I, after finishing it i thought 
is that all there is, you know, just retreat to intentional community, intentional Christian community and wait out the storm. Is that all, all we have left for us? Um, because there's a lot more going on than just that. There's, there's, it, 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 we have bigger issues occurring. And, and I looked at, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> I looked at it because I mean, it's really the first salvo back um, um, within the Christian world reacting to negative world, you know, going back to Ren's negative world. That was really the first big one was Streer's book. And, um, and I'm like, there's not, it's not enough. There's, there's gotta be a lot more here that we have to, we have to dig into and get into. And, um, so I was, I was kind of disappointed in it. Um, even though I, I gen- generally liked it. And, and, and so what I wrote is that we, it, that's all retreating. And, and of course, in like terms of tactics and strategy in, in like a military sense, retreating is something you have to do sometimes, right? You have to retreat in order to f- live, to fight another day. And so I, I, the people that were like, Oh, it's just retreat is just terrible. I'm like, Oh no, I think, I think there's some wisdom there, but there, there has to be more. There has to be going on offense, right? There has to be, all right, we're in the cloister hidden away, but that's not how Christendom was won in the first place. I mean, that's kind of the paradigm that he sets is like, well, the, the monasteries that were, were built up, that's what preserved um, Western civilization and, and, and allowed Christendom to flourish. And I'm like, yeah, on one hand, um, but then you also had men like St. Boniface. And I get, get into the story in the, in the early part of the book where St. Boniface was a Benedictine monk, right? He had taken the Benedict option. He was, he was a Benedictine monk in, in England. And he was um, very, very skilled, very, very well thought of, very brilliant man, and was going to be made the abbot of his monastery, right, the head of his monastery, and and have a you know a very comfortable sinecure right there mm-hmm. in, in England. And he rejected it. He said, "No, I need to go to um, to my people." He was a Saxon in England, and all these people that he's descended from in Germany are all still pagans. And he had a heart for his people and he wanted to go there and bring Christ to them. He wanted to advance the borders of Christendom. And so he went and, and one of the first things that he did was he went to the, you know, the sacred shrine in uh, in, in what's now Gizmar, Germany. And there was this huge Oak tree that was the Oak of Thor hundreds of years old. And this is where they did all of their, you know, pagan sacrifices and, and everything. And he, he shows up one day and, and tells them, I, um, I'm going to touch your tree. And, and not only am I going to touch, and they believe that if you touch the tree, Thor is going to send a lightning bolt from the heavens and strike you dead. And I, and, and it's like, Oh, these silly superstitious pagan people. No, I actually believe that. Like, I believe that like Thor is a demon that, that has some power and they worshiped him and it probably really did happen. And, and so he it's like, I'm going to not only touch it, I'm going to cut this thing down this time tomorrow. So word goes out through all the villages and everything that, that here's this Christian who's going to get fried tomorrow. Come watch. Let's let's watch this. This will be great. And so hundreds of people show up the next day to see, to see him get, you know, zapped and he takes his ax. And as far as the legend goes, right. Takes one swing and a wind comes out of heaven and knocks the tree over. And (laughs) everybody there that witnessed it that day, uh, confessed Christ and was baptized, and and there the evangelization of Germany 
began. I mean, I'm German and uh, it, it's meaningful to me because, and I'm, I'm actually, my paternal ancestry comes from that region of Germany. And um, so it's very, very, very deep meaning for, for me personally. And, and it's this, this heroic story. I mean, later, you know, later in his life, he was martyred um, by, by Frisians. And I mean, that's my actual ancestry is, is East Frisia. And, and it's like, wow, this is, you know, he, he bled and died uh, to bring Christ to my people. And, mm -hmm. and so like, this is, this is powerful, powerful stuff. And I'm like, and I'm thinking about this and I'm thinking, and I'm looking around the, the landscape of American Christianity today, as, as I'm thinking about this story of reading Dreer's book in like 2017, I'm thinking, we don't have people like that. Right? We don't have any men like that at all that are just willing to go die uh, or, or willing to, to suffer at least uh, for the sake of, of Jesus Christ. And if anything, that's what we need, right? We need to build men like that. We need to become men like, like St. Boniface. We need to become men that we had in, in earlier periods of Christendom. I mean, men like, I mean, you read the stories of the Reformation. You read like the biography of John Knox. Um, and here's this man who's taken into slavery and is, is working in a galley slave as galley slave rowing. I mean, just, just like he's going to die doing this. And right. the Catholics make him kiss a, yeah, you know, uh, they're they're like you have to go kiss this picture of Mary, and it comes to him, and he throws the thing out of the, out of the boat, right? And he could get beaten to death or whipped to death or whatever, and he doesn't care, right? He's taking a stand for for what he believes in, and and I mean all the men that that were burned at the stake, and and I mean Latimer and Ridley, like all of these stories, and it's like we don't have we don't have anybody like that today. We're not like those men, but we need to be, and the moment has come. Right. The moment has come where there is going to be real consequences for believing in Jesus in, in our in, in this insane world that we live in. And so right. the book is, is about that. I mean, the first half of the book is showing just how absolutely insane the world is that we live in. I call it you know, trash world. It's an Internet lingo. You know, it's trash world that we live in. And um, people, I mean, especially you know, your, your typical evangelical pastor who's, you know, well-meaning guy. He loves his people. He wants to, to, um, to minister to them and, and, and disciple them and lead them to Jesus and, 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 and all of that. And they're totally oblivious to how insane the world is. Like, they'll hear about the trans stuff and things like that. And they'll think it's, it's this oddity like, Oh yeah, it's really bad out there. But they, they don't think any deeper about it than that. They don't think about how all of the insanity has been manufactured. All of it has been socially engineered to produce this in the kind of society that we have today, right? People have intentionally built this world to be the way that it is um, in order to de-Christianize it, right? In order to strip away the, the Christian heritage that people had, the Christian culture that just pervaded everything. I mean, when we talk about some of the Christian nationalism stuff and nominal Christianity, and, and you'll have, you know, like the G3 type guys who are like, oh yeah, cultural Christianity is bad and it's good that it's gone. Or, or, or um, you know, Russell Moore talking about how Mayberry leads to hell just as surely as Gomorrah. <laughs> and it's just, it's so stupid. Yeah. It's so dumb. I mean, when you think about it, because most people, I mean, most people that are in, in older days um, who were Christians, you know, people who were Christians a hundred years ago, they're, they, they're Christians because all of the cultural, I mean, not only this, but be, all the cultural um, superstructure around them pushes it into them by osmosis. Everybody around them is a Christian. 
And yeah. you don't even have to think about it. Like culture, that's just how culture works is it's all the unstated stuff, right? The way the culture works is um, it's, it's the things that everybody implicitly agrees upon without even thinking, right? Without even, you know, because a lot of people think you just have to, to backfill um, every bit of Christian doctrine in order to be a Christian, right? You have to think through every kind of theology, every single thing. And, and it, most people are built for that. Most, I mean, not everybody is able to, you know, to read Calvin's Institutes and 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 read Francis Turretin and, and read read all of the the great theological works and work through their their theology that way. They they just have a, a simple faith in Jesus where they're going to trust their leaders to 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 lead them. Uh, that's this that's that's how things work. And and so anyway, like having a having a culture where the unstated agreement is that we're Christians. This is a Christian place is good. It's very good. And what we have instead is a manufactured, socially engineered, anti-Christian place. And it isn't just um, it isn't just your religious expressions and things like that and things that you see on TV and, and all of that. It's 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 the way that we live our life. It's it's not only anti-Christian, but it's anti-creational. Uh, and and the, the obvious case is the trans stuff where if you can um, if you can um, if, if you can attack the created order, right, to the extent that we don't know what a man and a woman is anymore um, and, and strip that away. We don't know what a household is. We don't know what, what a, a father is. Um, we, we've taken all of those things away and just stripped people down to mere individuals. Um, that is, that's an attack on, on God's creation. And it's an attack and it's an attack on God's creation because they want to take away you know, Christian life from people and any, any, any aspect of it in, in the world that people live in. And so some of it is just coming to grips with that, understanding that, right. Once you wrap your head around those things and, and, and really it's, they want to make you this globalist, uh, individualist consumer, right. Where you're all your life is, is you work, uh, and you consume stuff, you consume, you know, Disney and Marvel and star Wars and NFL football and all the, you know, uh, all of these, you know, accoutrements uh, that mm -hmm. are around you. And that's what you live for, right? You live to, to watch the Minnesota Vikings play. And that's, that's your whole old purpose in life is to, is, is to consume these things. It's like, Oh man, I can't wait until the next episode of the Mandalorian. Uh, and like, that's your whole life. That's what you live for. And then you die. Right. Um, and, and like, that's what, that's where they want people because people like that are very, very easy to rule people that don't yeah. have a, a people. They don't have a place. They don't have, they don't have any connection to the past. Like that's why they strip away history and make make it so that I mean, you talk to people and they don't know any history before World War II, right? That's like the the cutting off point is everything after World War II is is real history. Everything before that is just bad and bigoted and evil and everybody's bad and and, and all of that. And so they they want you cut off from those things. They want you to be totally deracinated and just these individuals that are they're they're malleable and moldable. Um, so they can rule you easily. And, and so when you talk about the, the, you know, what they're scared of, what they're threatened by is they're, they're threatened by a, a, a Christian people who are Christian all the way down to their bones that, that have a connection to the millennia of Christian tradition and Christian history and, and say, that's, that's who I am. That's what my people are. And, and then, right. You can't, you can't 
uh, manipulate them. You can't mold them. You can't shape them in this way anymore because they're standing outside of this project that you have. And that's a huge threat. If your heart is with, with Jesus and everything that he's done and built and, and, and um, in, in our culture um, in, in, within Christendom for 2000 years, um, that's, it's hard to make a person just this globalist slave. It's very difficult. And, and so the, the book is about breaking people free from that, from trash world and then building them up, right? Doing the things you, you must do in your own personal life to be a threat uh, to this whole system. And it isn't, I mean, it, it can be, it, it's, it's simple things. It's, I mean, I have a, I have a chapter on, on just like, they want you to be fat and, and, and weak and, and nearly dead. And so just being in, in good physical condition is, and, and, and lifting weights and eating well is, is, you know, a huge, uh, you know, thumbing of your nose at this system. Right. And, and, um, because it's completely outside, like every, the whole diet, the whole superstructure of it is like, just eat as much as you want, eat lots of carbs and, and, you know, keep drinking your big gulps. And, and, and because they want everyone to look like the, the people in Wally. Do you, do you, yeah. I mean, do you think there is like somewhat like, like a, a Soros figure, World Economic Forum, kind of like a Klaus Schwab figure who, who really yeah. wants that? Or do you think that this is more like just um, kind of like natural, not, not natural, I don't want to say that, uh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. developments over time that it's it, yeah. there's a benefit that uh, a bigger government has when you are incapable of taking care of yourself. And so it's not like yeah. a it's not like someone's going to sign on the dotted line. I want my citizens to be fat and like <laughs> unable to take care of themselves, but it is like, it's not going to be discouraged. And it is, there are going to be mechanisms in place for encouraging it. Um, mm -hmm. for, for ju just because it doesn't, it does not threaten the state. And it, it if anything, it gives more power to the state. Cause I mean, yeah, I, I guess I that's mean, how I see yeah. it. It, it. I don't know that there's like looming in the shadows, some guy who wants everyone to be like, you know, yeah, I don't, I don't, I mean, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think, I mean, you can get like in these uh, very conspiratorial mindsets and it's not to say that, that, that there isn't like the world economic forum is not real and that there, these figures are not pushing certain things. Um, but a lot of it is just aligned with the, the kind of incentives that we have in, in, in this kind of globalist, um, um, fake capitalist system, not really cap free market system, but it's, it's, it's built to, to favor giant corporations. And so like in, in the system we have now, um, like healthcare, healthcare, the healthcare industry is like almost a fifth of American GDP. So out of every dollar that of thing of goods and services that are produced in America, like 17 or 18 cents is healthcare is insurance is, is doctors is pharmaceuticals, that kind of thing. Um, and so there's an incentive there where it's like, if there's this cash cow where they, you know, they kind of want you, they don't want you to be healthy because there's a lot of money in you being not healthy. Right. So there's this, yeah. this built-in incentive there that drives these things. Right. So it's just incentive structure. Um, and, and same thing with like food, right. If they can produce this, um, you know, uh, corporate food system where they produce a lot of food, way more than we ever need to eat, but it's also not very sating. Right. So it's also like, there's a reason why like every, every kind of uh, processed food is full of corn and mm -hmm. soy oil and things like this, because well, one, we produce a lot of it and we've, we've designed a system to be able to like where I live, right. I go outside my door and I look and I see 
corn and soybeans everywhere. Um, it, we, we manufacture a lot of that and that kind of food, it, it doesn't fill you up. It makes, you're still hungry after you eat it. Like you go to McDonald's and you drop 50 bucks on McDonald's food and, tw- and two hours later, you're hungry again. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's, that, that is also, I think by design, because it's like, if, if you make food where you're still hungry afterward, um, then, then you're going to spend more money on food. Uh, and so it's, it's, I think that's, that's part of the, uh, somewhat part of it is like, it's, it's manufactured for profits, right. To, to, to keep the big line going up. And, um, so I think a lot of it is that, so that, that is the incentive structure is aligned w- also with kind of the insidious political things where they all kind of fit together. I mean, it's like, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with like mold bug, but I mean, he talks about like conspiracies are not just a handful of people sitting in a dark room, um, you know, plotting evil stuff. I mean, not that those people don't exist, but it's, it's really this, this decentralized conspiracy theory. I mean, you look, just look at, um, you know, we're on, we're on YouTube. So I have to be careful of, of how I uh, phrase this. I'll have to use coded language, but you know, two, three years ago, um, you, you see it, you see it firsthand where it's not like every single doctor in America is, is in on the plot with Fauci. Right. But the incentive structure is aligned for them to do whatever they say. Right. And, and it's aligned for everybody to get um, a certain thing put in their arm. Uh, right. That's, that's, that's a lot of it is it isn't, it it isn't like there there's this, I mean, there is a plot, but it's not, it's decentralized, right? Everybody Mm -hmm. knows their, their role in it, what they're they're supposed to do. Um, and they, they go along with it, right? That, that's how it works. There's not, uh, any central figure pulling the strings. It is, it, it, it's aligned with, with profit motive. It's aligned with, um, you know, certain political and, and cultural, um, aspects that, that are unstated. I mean, all, all of that kind of stuff. I mean, that, when we talk, when, when I talk about, you know, trash world and, and being socially engineered and they, they want this um, it's, it's along those lines. It's not, yeah. it, it's not, it's not so linear and so easy to like pin on, Oh, if we just get rid of George Soros, then we're good. Um, it's, it, it, it's the entire superstructure of the, the whole regime that, and all of it. Right. That's the boomer con mentality, right? Like that's what, yeah. what people typically, when they use that term, they're saying like, it's not the system that's the problem. It's the people running it. And if we just got rid of them, yeah. then well, it's like Mike Pence keep... at the debate last week, yeah. you know, um, <laughs> I don't know if you watched it, but he, he's, he gets in with uh, Vivek and he, and he's like, uh, yeah. Vivek's like, why are you doing all this Reaganite, you know, morning in America stuff? It is bad out there. What are you talking about? And he's like, yeah, no, yeah. Mike Pence, like, no, we just need a government as good as its people. It's yeah, like, it, it, it's these platitudes about, that just yeah. yeah, Mike Pence is so out of touch. It's it's unbelievable. Oh, He's been like that it's, though for years. Um, yeah. So you know, what do, what do you think of this? Because like I, I don't like Christians who take offense at you somehow, thinking like you're doing this oh, new novel you? thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, they they don't. I I don't see them like reaching back to Jerry Falwell, Pat Robertson, James Dobson saying. And Francis Schaefer too, I suppose you could say, but yeah. to say like you know, those guys were really off the rails. Like those guys yeah. got us here. Yeah. Like they're they're not villains. And I'm wondering no. if part of the reason for that. In fact, I, I've actually I should say this. I've even seen people try to use like Francis Schaefer against you guys, which to me is kind of unusual <laughs> in, in a I way because I think I think Schaefer would have been more on board probably with what you guys are oh, trying yeah. to do. 
Um, it, it really it's solely based on the fact that Schaefer was worried about totalitarianism and they think that you're trying yeah. to promote totalitarian. It's all based on that. It's like that, yeah. that's the whole yeah. justification for them calling you um, uh, a bunch of uh, Hegelians and like all the rest. Like it's <laughs> it's that you, you want totalitarianism. You want what George Soros and, um, and 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 the World Economic Forum want. But you just want a cross on the front of it and not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So this veneer, this Christian veneer. And so, so I wonder though, whether part of this problem has to do with like Pat Robertson and, and Jerry Falwell were trying to maintain something that mm-hmm. was in danger of being lost and they were, it was being lost during their generation. And they wanted to like mm-hmm. say that there's this moral majority out there who actually agrees with us and we're not going to let that happen. So it was kind of a defensive <laughs> maneuver. I, you, you could say yeah. the only aggressive stance they took was probably on abortion. Like we're going to... Yeah um overturn that but that was something in su- it's such recent memory that it was mm-hmm. like you know it, it was trying to get back to something that everyone knew about and it wasn't like a weird thing today though you know you know for 40 years later you guys are basically saying you're not like doing a defensive position as much of of, of like we need to uh maintain what we have it's more of we need to actually aggressively uh take ground back that's been lost. And so that's going to include sacrifices and Mm -hmm. um, uh, it's going to be a rough ride. Like we're going to have to think outside the box. We're probably going to have to have like um, funds set up to help people who are canceled in this process. Like it's Mm -hmm. going to be, it's war basically. And it's, and we don't have the high ground anymore. We have to charge. And so Mm -hmm. that I'm wondering if that's the main like distinction there probably are others, but, but if that's like the thing that they, they're reacting to like Christians, that's just not the way that I think many of us were told on a personal level, Christians should ever act. Right. We, we only can play defense. We can't really go. And we, we're not the type to go punch the bully in the nose. Like that's not a Christian thing to do. Really. We want to win that bully to Christ kind of thing. Right. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. 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 Like like there is this, and and, and we've had this confusion, I think in us for years of like, no, like the ordinary, you know, sitting in the pew Christian thinks, well, yeah, we should be Christian, but also at the same time, we can't be aggressive about it. And here's these scary yeah. people who want to be aggressive and that must be totalitarian. And so, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you yeah. think that's the difference between you guys and what the eighties, what would happen in the eighties? Yeah. I mean, I think the eighties is, I think your, your read on it is, is right. That they saw that Christian America was being eroded and eaten away and and wanted to defend it wanted to to fight fight that process and you know obviously you look at it like they failed right they they did not accomplish um what they set out to and i I think part of it is they did not uh full i mean we we have the benefit of you know 30 or 40 years of hindsight that really it what they needed to fight was the civil rights revolution because ultimately what that did was, was erode Christianity, uh, I think. I mean, it, it was, it's a culturally revolutionary act that, that took place. And they didn't wage a counter-revolution. They were just trying to main, hold ground, maintain ground, rather than aggressively attack you know, the enemy that was destroying them. And today, it's different where we could just say it, that this was, this was bad. It's, just, it's destroyed us. Um, and, and things we have to change. We, we can't do the same thing that we've been doing for 40 years 
we have to take a different strategy if we want to if if we want to preserve the country that that was given to us um and, and so yeah i mean I, I, it's funny like you bring up like being aggressive I, that, like this is a the book is is kind of a handbook of aggressive christianity if anything um my book and i you kind of called it it's that. funny the yeah, handbook yeah, it, of aggressive christianity yeah yeah that's that'd be another uh, you know, better. yeah yeah I, I, yeah I, I like it um but it is um like this sunday I preached on, you know, second Samuel chapter 20. And that is, um, that's the chapter where, where you don't, unless you're like really deep into the, the, the story and the narrative of what's going on with, with King David, like David is old and weak and, and really impotent because of his uh, sin and the consequences of his sin. And you have this really wicked, uh, nephew of his named Joab who basically just takes over. Right. He he kills the guy that David replaces him with as head of the army, just kills him right in front of everybody and goes and, and puts down a rebellion. And at the end of the chapter, right, it doesn't look like David's in charge. We're told that Joab is the commander of the army and and and, and that's it. And the, the narrative picks up again in first first Kings where where David has to tell Solomon, right, make Solomon his heir and say, you got to take care of Joab. Right? That's the first order of business. And and so really the, the the point of that chapter is if you have good men right um, faithful men who are weak you are going and, and they, they they become weak and impotent you're not going to have no men leading you're going to have wicked men leading. right and and what what Israel needed was David like he was before his sin they needed a David that was aggressive that would would stand up to a nine foot tall giant and say you can't you can't say that about my God. I'm going, let me kill him. Let me kill this giant. And, um, and, and you see it in Jesus. And I, you know, I'm like, you, you read the gospels. I mean, you're, you're told your whole life because of kind of a neutral world Christianity that Jesus was so sweet and kind and very winsome and very nice and gentle and patient. And he was very much like Mr. Rogers, you know, here comes, I'm taking my cardigan off and I'm untying my shoes and Oh, here's the trolley. And like, that's what, that's the picture people have of Jesus, but you like actually read the gospels or you actually sit down and read them. And you see a man who is bold. I mean, the, the boldest man uh, in world history, right? He, he confronts his enemies. He, he verbally attacks them. It does not mince words at all. He calls them a brood of vipers and 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 snakes and and whitewashed tombs and and and, and all of that. And he, he utters woes against them. And you, I mean, you get to like Matthew, um, the end of the uh, of the Gospel of Matthew. He goes into the heart of of the temple, right at, at Passover when there's thousands of people there witnessing everything, and he he attacks the priests. He calls this place a den of robbers. And he, right. and he utters these woes and says, woe to you, woe to you, woe to you. And he knows what he is saying is going to cost him his life, right? Um, that's what Jesus was like. That's the real Jesus it was aggressive as, as all get out. And that's the Jesus that, that we need to see today and, and emulate and be like. Um, not, not weak and wimpy and impotent and allowing Joabs to do everything, uh, but rather aggressive right to confront things that are wrong to attack to to challenge them and it, it might 
you know, there, there'll be losses. You might, you mm-hmm. might be martyred or you might be virtually martyred. I mean, in our day, I mean, not that, that phys- actual martyrdom is, is off the table, but we will, we see this, like people will be canceled. You're not allowed to espouse, you know, basic Christian opinions. I mean, you have this thing in Ohio where this congressman attacks uh, the, this, uh, this pro-life leader uh, for saying, you know, there's no hope outside of Jesus Christ. And he's like, that is the most bigoted and anti-Semitic thing I've ever heard. And of course he, he's forced to apologize, but not, then he gets her, you know, essentially gets her fired. Not a real and apology. Yeah. 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 Exactly. I, I apologize for that. By the way, you're out of a job. Um, and, and like, um, you know, like that's, that's what's going to happen to, to people who have any, any, even like modicum of boldness with their Christian faith is you are going to be attacked. You are going to, you're going to, there's going to be a cost for being faithful and being bold, but you have to do it. We have to, we absolutely have to, in order to, in yeah. order to, um, you know, preserve our families, preserve our nation, all of this. So that's, yeah. that's what we have to, um, God has to do in us is see how insane the world is and, and be willing to just it, say what is true and be bold about it and, and not mince words and say what we think. And let the chips fall where they may, because people are not going to like you. That's like, mm-hmm. you have to like that, that, I mean, that's part of the neutral world ethos, I think is just get everybody to like you, right? If yeah. they, if you're just nice and friendly, like uh, maybe they'll disagree with you about some stuff, but like, they're going to know that you're a really good person and that you're really nice, right? No, they're not going to, they're going to hate you. Like you need to be, you need to come to grips with that. The fact that people are going to hate you and they're going to hate you because of what you believe. And you have to be okay with that. Right. You have to be, you know, I mean, I I get this sometimes where people are like, well, where people will be like critical of me. They'll be like, well, I don't, I don't like any of the, you know, or so-and-so is, you know, says things uh, better than you do. Or like, I get more out of Bible teaching from this other guy than, than you. And I'm like, well, why would I want you to like what I have to say? (laughs) Like someone like, like, I don't want, I don't care about your opinion. I don't want, you know, like that's, but that's, that's, that's what people think. It's like, oh, if I say, I don't, I don't like you that's going to you know be a dagger to your heart and hurt you and make you feel yeah that, that is you bring up something that is very weird that's, that's something um i don't care about your opinion you know yeah that josh bice when he emailed me um back you know this was in back in may that's one of the things he said that i thought was interesting was like i've received na- basically negative messages about you from other people and i'm like okay like, like yeah right <laughs> like like another day in my life like i, I don't know yeah yeah. I mean, that's just Our, such a oh, weird, well. especially for a Christian, especially for a Christian yeah. who who follows a man who obviously. Woe to you when all men think well of you. you yeah. know? <laughs> like, <come on>. like, <laughs> like, like, I, I mean, I could see if there's if there's people who are godly and they're objecting to something you're saying, maybe pause yeah. and think through. Mm-hmm. Am I? But mm-hmm. but the, the, using it as like almost like a tactic to. um I don't know, like, like that should be the goal is to not have that. I don't even know exactly what's behind that, but there is something there that really bothered me because it's not, it's not mm-hmm. just him. That's one example. It, this is like pervasive yeah. that it's just really bad when other people mm-hmm. think negatively of you. And, and, and so, I mean, the, the way that I've, because yeah. they often justify it with like things like, yeah, but there's a qualification for an elder that you, you must be thought of um, kind of like well by, by the people yeah, that yeah. you're around outside the church. But I think the whole point of yeah. that is more like, 
um, the people who actually see you outside of this performative environment where you are, yeah. because it's easy for a pastor to just kind of be quote unquote godly or act that way with a stage mm -hmm. presence. Uh, I've seen that yep. many times, but, but the people who actually like your neighbors, the people in your regular course of life, like they know you have a good character. You're not going to swindle yeah. them. You're not going to, yeah. you're a good worker at, at, if you had a secular job, like that's what that's talking about. It doesn't mean that they all yeah. just, you know, have the butterflies yeah. for you or like, yeah. you know, they, they don't disagree with your Christianity or, you know, don't think you're a yeah. bigot somehow. So anyway, yeah, exactly. that's my rant. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. I know people, people use that to be like, see, there's a qualification. That's the elder qualification is being winsome. And it's like, uh, no, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, I mean, we're, we're in a time where, yeah. Or like not a brawler you know, is, is, is part of it. And it's like, well, yeah, that that's true. Like you shouldn't be someone that's like looking for a fight always and just constantly on the war path. And, you know, I tell people like, like all the, all the time, I'm like, I actually don't want to fight. I don't want conflict. Right. I, I sure. will avoid it. I will avoid yeah. it. If like the plague, if I can, like, I'm not looking to fight these people. And, and usually it's, I only, you know, um, fight or argue if I'm being attacked, like I don't initiate it. Right. I don't, I don't go out of my way to like, you know, a attack different people, except for maybe like David French or Russell Moore. But, uh, <laughs> uh but uh, I don't like, like regular, like other people, I don't, I don't like, I'm not looking to, um, get into a spat with, you know, um, Jake Bedor or Alistair Roberts or any of the Davenant people. Right. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not looking to, to like, I, Oh, I can't wait to wake up tomorrow and, and tweet a banger about these guys. Like, no, I'm not, I'm not, I don't care about, about that. I don't want to fight. I want to, I want to encourage my people, uh, in the way that they should go more than anything else. That's, that's what I'm about. Um, yeah. I want like the, the fight is that is, is, is building up my people and, and, and backing them up, like having, you know, doing the things that I do so they don't feel alone. Right. Cause that's, that's a big thing is all of these people are coming to grips with how, how insidious and destructive and evil and disgusting trash world is. And they see it all around them all day long. And there's this overwhelming feeling of that. You're alone. You're the only one that thinks something is wrong. And yeah. I don't want people to, I don't want our people to feel that way. I want them to know like, no, you're right. Uh, everything else, everybody else is nuts. You're the one that's sane and keep doing what you're doing. Right. That's that's right. what I want to do, you know? Yeah. Well, we should probably land the plane. We've been going about an hour and uh, 16 <laughs> yeah, we can minutes, keep going but... for a few hours here. Yeah. 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 We could just I'm sure there's tons <laughs> Next to talk time. about. But no, that sounds like a, a great message. And I really you know, wish you success. I, I shouldn't say wish. I, I pray that you have success with your book. And yes, with, thank you. Um, with, with just the message that it, it conveys and that. Uh, and, and, you know, I really hope that people take this to heart. This is the thing that I've also been. It, it's funny. I think many of us are seeing the same problem and it's whether you want to call it Christian nationalism or masculine Christianity, or like, uh, you, you don't even have a label. You just like, I, I don't really, I, I just want to go back to like old, like conservatism. I don't want to let them take yeah. that word. That's my word. Like, that's, oh, I know. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, but, but wh whatever you want to think of it, like there is this need for a, a aggression of a masculine aggression. Mm -hmm. That seems to be nowhere. It seemed like, like even in Hollywood this summer, you know, who with the three biggest action movies were who it was like Harrison Ford, uh, Tom Cruise. Yeah, and yeah. Um, I, I forget the name of the guy who plays in that uh, th that movie about child trafficking, but he's also 
kind of older. Oh, uh, Jim uh, Caviezel. So, yeah, 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 Jim yeah, Caviezel. Yeah. So you have they're like all over three, fifty. Yeah, they're all over fifty. And and then who yeah. do you have that's young? That's a young up. You have Ken. You have Ken in the Barbie movie, yeah, right? Yeah. Played and he's by in his forties. You know. <laughs> yeah. Even wow. Even he. Okay. Yeah. So, but still, yeah. like there, like there aren't any. Even in Hollywood, you don't see positive examples of even pagans being masculine. Like. Yeah. It, it's that's dying yeah. out. That's like the older generation of Hollywood. So yeah, it's just like, it's just rich and it, it needs to like, that is our, the main need of the moment. So anyway, um, congratulations yeah. on it's, it's hard to complete a book. Congratulations on doing that. Yeah. Yeah, and people you. can get it where uh, right now on, on Amazon is the, is the place to get it. I know a lot of people hate Amazon. I'm not particularly fond of, of Amazon either. Uh, but it's, it's the most efficient and easiest way to get it out there and, and keep it out in the public eye. So yeah, if you go to bonifaceoption.com, it'll take you right to the link to get the book. And uh, yeah, please, please pick it up and read it, uh, share it with people. I know a lot of people have, I've, I've been uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm so uh, blown away that, that people really like it. Cause you know, you write something and, and anybody that, even if you write blog posts and things like that, you're like, is anybody going to read this? You know, is it, is mm. it going to be, you know, are they going to like what I'm writing or, or, or is it going to have any impact at all? And yeah, so you just, yeah. you kind of don't, you just, you, you, you do it and you hope for the best. And, um, the messages I've received from so many people are like, you know, I, I've, I've followed, you know, what you've done for, for years and I, I had high expectations for the book and it, it blew away all my expectations. And, right. and that, that like means a lot. I mean, it really, really does when, when people that said, I really, I had high hopes for the book and you exceeded all of them. You know, that, Good that, God. that's really saying something. So, I mean, you read it. I think a lot of people really get a lot out of it. And, and I mean, it's, I, I wrote it for, for, you know, our kind of people, for people like your audience, um, that, that need support and encouragement and to be built up. And, and I also wrote it for, you know, the, the kind of Christians who have never thought about any of this stuff to kind of like, you know, wake them up, you know, give them the, the a sort of red pill moment. Yeah. And and see that they, oh things are bad and I, I and I even wrote it also for um, the kind of guys who um, are in Middle America who are not really church going guys who are not um, not maybe not even you know, they would they would say they believe in God or, or believe Cultural in Jesus Christians. but they, they yeah 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 I mean the kind of people that like they hear Oliver Anthony's song and they're like yeah that's great um, it, it it's for that those type of folks that. That I mean, their experience in church has been what we've been talking about, where it's just this really wimpy, uh, very consumeristic uh, religious expression where it's just, you know, it's just entertainment and it's kind of more or less meaningless. Um, and and they, they've never seen any kind of aggressive masculine Christianity that that's like, that's what I want. I mean, you see like Oliver Anthony read Psalm 37 and people are like, yeah yeah let's go you know like uh and, and it's like um it's like i want people like that you know people yeah. that they hear that and they're like yes right they, they just read an imprecatory psalm and they're like yes um, yeah yeah i, I know it, it's that, crazy you know it's crazy i wanted to read the book and think oh there's a there's a kind of christianity out there that speaks to me you know that's that's what i, I i'm trying to to produce yeah. and and bring people to because it's it's lacking it it doesn't really exist but but it can still and and the kind of the kind of christian faith that that built the world that we love um is is just a little bit of an ember 
right there, but I want it to turn back into a roaring fire. Yeah. Living in the new world with an old soul. Uh, Andrew Isker (laughs) on the uh, Conversations That Matter podcast. You can check out the uh, book on Amazon, the Boniface option. Check it out. God bless. Thanks, Andrew. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, John. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.